This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. This is the next in our series of Economic Development is More Important Than Ever podcasts that feature the innovation and dedication of IEDA members in their efforts to assist their communities through the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Marcy King and Don, Don Bingham uh, with the Owen County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Corporation. Uh, Marcy serves as the Econ- Executive Director, and Don is the Economic Development Coordinator. So Marcy and Don, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. So uh, during one of my uh, regular member calls, uh, we were talking about this a few days ago, and I reached out to Marcy and Don and uh, just to find out um, you know, what was happening in, in Owen County. And uh, we had a, an opportunity to talk about some of the things that, that you've been doing to assist your members and businesses. Um, and you just shared some ideas, and I thought the things that you've been doing were, I think, uh, very innovative, very interesting, and so I thought it would be a good opportunity to share some of the things uh, that you've been doing with the rest of the IEDA membership. Uh, so uh, let's start at sort of a, a, a macro level and talk a little bit about how um, the COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, has affected Owen County and Spencer. Okay, well, our leisure and hospitality industries were affected um, immediately, and uh, the uh, businesses that we had in our community, one of the greatest things that they needed that we found out was that they needed capital to just keep their doors open and to keep their inventory. So that was one of the things that we focused on immediately was um, partnering with the Community Foundation to come up with uh, an economic recovery plan to see how we could get our small businesses the capital they needed to keep their doors open. So, so the other thing that I thought was interesting, you, you did some other things, though, with uh, some of the members of your business community uh, to really address some other needs. And, and I thought some of those things were, were uh, some interesting variations on the theme that I hadn't heard before. So talk a little bit about um, how you were able to, to work with the local business community to, to mobilize a response. There was so much information coming from the state level, and I know chambers and EDCs just statewide had the same issue, is that basically what we did was we vetted that information and we put together the most important information and put it on a online website for all of our businesses to be able to have that information accessible to them. And then just constantly contacting them on a daily basis to see how they were doing and what needs that they had. And then once we realized that, again, the need was mainly for capital to keep those doors open, the Community Foundation and the Chamber of Commerce and EDC put together a bridge grant application. And uh, this bridge grant was just to bridge that gap. It was going to be a, a grant that businesses could apply for. And uh, it was just, it's just a small grant so that businesses could keep those doors open, get the capital that they needed. And we submitted that grant to Okra, and Okra then awarded Owen County $250,000 to reinvest back into our community through this bridge grant application process. But you did some other things, or there were some other things that were taking place um, around, I believe, the sort of the personal protective equipment and some other things that businesses pivoted from what they normally do and their, their normal business and their normal product to try to respond to the crisis. 
Um, do you remember what I'm talking about? That you yes, I do. All right. Okay. Yeah. So would you would you would you share some of those things? Yes, absolutely. So right next door to the chamber uh, is a, a local candy store. And uh, our first responders, our sheriff department, police department was having difficulty finding hand sanitizer. They were actually having to purchase it outside of Owen County at a, a price point that was difficult for them to find in their budget. Uh, once uh, the local candy store realized that there was this need, they took their commercial kitchen and completely uh, rechanged the process of it so that they could go ahead and stop producing candy and start making hand sanitizer. And so then our first responders and our, again, our police and sheriff's department were able to purchase that directly from them within the county at a lower price point. And it was much more accessible to them because, you know, you know, as well as I do, that was just not uh, something that people were being able to find. And then Don, do you want to talk about Boston? Yes, uh, Boston Scientific, who is the largest employer in Owen County with uh, approximately 1,000 employees, revamped uh, part of their production aspect to be able to configure um, face shields and they manufactured and donated to the state over 20,000 face shields. And, and I'm guessing, you know, probably uh, people don't realize, I mean, and, and I do because I've been through there, but don't realize Owen County has Boston Scientific. And so just a little bit, what do they normally do, do there in Owen County? I don't I'm not sure I well, know what they actually produce otherwise. Boston Scientific is a medical device manufacturer. Uh, the medical device manufacturing is the largest employment segment within Owen County. Along with Boston Scientific, we have a Cook Medical Facility here. And between the two uh, entities, they employ approximately 2,200 people within Owen County. And Boston Scientific, uh, during the pandemic, has continued with a $62 million expansion, which will increase their workforce by an additional 300 employees. I mean, I think that's pretty incredible. And, and I think we've heard uh, from some of your peers around the state that is certainly uh, manufacturing and some of those manufacturing facilities have stayed busy and have continued to grow. But I'm guessing that that's probably, you talked, uh, Marcy, and, and both of you can share this, you talked about the, the, the capital support that you provided. What kinds of businesses uh, did you target with that? And, and what's been the response th through the course of, of having done that over a couple of months? Uh, yeah, exactly. The um, PPP funding that the government provided, we realized very quickly that, that there was a gap there for sole proprietors. And a lot of the businesses that we have in Owen County are sole proprietorships. And because of that gap, they weren't able to take part in that PPP. So when we put together this recovery plan, we made sure that this grant, the grants that were available to them, uh, were for sole proprietorship as well. And so um, we were, to date, we've been able to, 44 businesses have applied for those grants, and we've been able to reinvest 157000 back into Owen County. And along with the grant process, a, a HOPE recovery consulting team was formed of business professionals within the community that provided counseling to businesses to assist them uh, during these difficult times. I don't think I've heard anybody else talk about putting that kind of consulting team together. I mean, I think there's been a lot of communities that did financial assistance that you talked about, but I have not heard about that kind of consulting. So what kind of, what kind of people made up those consulting teams or that consulting team? Well, it, it was a vast array of business professionals. 
The hope aspect of the name refers to helping Owen professionals excel. Uh, some of the individuals are former retired uh, professionals. Uh, a couple were still uh, in business uh, and they were generous enough to give their time to help uh, other small businesses excel. There was a veterinarian, uh, a retired banker, a former REMC executive, the town council president was on the board, uh, a certified public accountant, uh, just, just a myriad of uh, intelligence and experience went into this team. And so how did people access that? I mean, I, I'm gonna dr I wanna drill into that because again, I've not heard any other community and I love, I you know, I assumed that the 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 word hope in that was just uh, just the straightforward. So I'm glad to know that that was an acronym and you spelled it out. Uh, so so how do I mean how, how did people access that team when they needed help? Uh, it was offered as a part of the bridge grant application, and they were informed of the existence of this team. And uh, it, it's also a a ongoing service that the Chamber and the Economic Development Corporation offer uh, to assist startup small businesses or also assist businesses already in operation who might be facing some issues that they're not sure how to deal with. I think that's great. I mean, I think that's very innovative and, and a, just an incredible way to organize and recruit that kind of resource within the community. I'm glad you shared that. We didn't talk about that uh, when, we, when we talked the last time. So I want to go back to something else that, that you shared with me in the past that, that I think is really unique. And that was just the idea that when, when we were talking about events, uh, certainly through IEDA, we have not been able to do any live events since March. But you shared with me that uh, since this all started, you have not canceled an event but that you have set up, a, a, I guess, kind of a protocol to make sure that you have safe events. So explain to me how you were able to not cancel events when I, I don't know anybody else, any other organization that I've been working with that can say that. So, so talk a little bit about how you got there and, and, and how you were able to identify a safe event. Well, the first thing was to not cancel them just to reschedule them and to go ahead and put them on the calendar in hopes that we were going to be able to reach the capacity to have them, which fortunately we did. So just keeping people on the radar that, hey, these events have not been canceled. We are planning to go ahead and have these was the first part. But the Chamber and EDC went ahead and put together a COVID-19 assurance plan. And that assurance plan basically states that you know, when we have these events, we're going to go ahead and, and minimize our occupancy of those. People have to RSVP to those events. That uh, then we are going to have people, when they do attend the event, every single person had to have their temperature taken. We had hand sanitizers. We had face masks. Every single person then received an email saying, hey, you're coming to this event. We have you scheduled. And this is what to expect. So when people came in, they knew that they were going to get their temperature taken. Just making people feel assured that when they came to the event, that the chamber and EDC was doing everything possible in our due diligence to make sure that safety was the number one concern. Down to having any refreshments that we have individually packaged and having a chamber captain volunteer to be our barista so no one had to, uh, you know, everybody was served their coffee. 
Now, you also talked about that you had done a separate event at, uh, at McCormick's Creek, am I right? And that was a different kind of event, but then that had repercussions then as far as, as the state park was concerned, right? Yes, we did that actually very early on. We decided not to cancel that event. We decided to go ahead and maintain that. And it was down to just within a couple of days were we able, going to be able to have that capacity. And the park worked with us very well. Uh, they, um, at that point, didn't know if they were going to be able to hold events. So this was the first event that the state park was able to hold as well. And uh, everything went so perfectly that they decided that they were going to use that as a way to promote that, hey, you can still have events at the state park. And uh, the whole staff there worked wonderfully with us. So, Don, talk about, you know, I think we've, we've heard from other folks, you know, that all this is going on. But again, back in our theme of, you know, economic development is more important than ever. Uh, how, what have you seen and how have you continued to do sort of what you would consider traditional economic development activities while, while all this other stuff was going on? Well, I don't know if you would say we've continued traditional economic development activities. Uh, there's been a metamorphosis somewhat in how we uh, help and retain businesses within Owen County. Uh, as I related previously, uh, once the COVID uh, outbreak uh, was announced, we were in the middle of a BRE study with IUSPIA uh, for the town of Gosport. We were able to continue with that study. Alibi, it was conducted on-site visits with any of the businesses. Uh, all interviews were conducted either via the phone or through a Zoom meeting. Uh, the IU students <clears throat> were able to put together four very reactive plans of action for the town of Gosport. We then presented that to the Gosport Business Association, again, virtually. Obviously, on-site business visits uh, were somewhat limited. I'm glad to say that things seem to be getting back to a more normal co course of action now. We actually only had one business in Owen County uh, shut down, and we are hoping it's temporarily. It, it's kind of ironic. People would think this would be a business that would be thriving right now, but it is a barrel stave manufacturer for uh, the stilling of whiskey. And one would think that everybody is at home taking shots of whiskey, but the, the reduction in bar uh, attendance worldwide has greatly impacted this business. Uh, they are going to reevaluate their status here in early September and I hope to reopen. But site selection visits have become a virtual experience. Actually, we have um, a power partnership program uh, with West Central, Accelerate West Central coming up um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So there has been a, a change in the way business is conducted, but not in the overall aspect of what we want to achieve. I just want you to know that I've done everything I could do uh, uh, in keeping my bourbon supply uh, current during <laughs> through all of this to try to help your your uh, uh, barrel. Uh, is that called barrel stave? Is that what you said? Is that barrel staves? Yes. Yeah. All right. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. I've tried to do my I've tried to do my part to, to try to help them get back into business. So hopefully, you know, I'm you know I'm looking for you know I don't want there to be a shortage somewhere down the road because we run out of barrels. So let's keep those folks going. The other thing that uh, has had such an impact is on schools and trying to figure out again how how kids are going to get back to school and in what way. And Marcy, you had shared uh, the last time we talked that 
that there was a, a, a traditional annual sort of school event, back to school event, that in spite of all the changes, you found a unique way to have sort of this back to school event. Uh, so share a little bit about that because I thought it sounded like a lot of fun. It was. It, it was probably one of the highlights of my summer thus far. And it really worked out so well just working with the school and thinking outside the box. How can we still get all of our uh, students in the county the supplies that they need to be ready to go back to school and do it in a safe way? Normally, we would meet at our middle school, and there would be about six to 700 people that would show up, and there would be vendors, but we knew there was no way that they could social distance. So we ended up approaching our fairgrounds and seeing if we could create a backwards parade. Basically, what we did is we had all of the elementaries and all of the schools within our region come with their staff, principals, and it was really great because the students hadn't seen their you know, teachers for a while, and they didn't get the chance to say goodbye to them. And uh, so they had banners and signs and the band was there and they were playing music and the choir was there and the football team was throwing footballs back and forth. And at the very beginning of the fairgrounds, they would register and the families were in their vehicles and they never left their vehicles. And so they would have a little piece of paper telling us how many students were in the car with them and what age level they were. And then as they drove through the fairgrounds, there were balloon arches and bubbles for them to go through. And we were bouncing volleyballs over the car. And then by the time they made it all the way to the end, after seeing like the, uh, you know, the sheriff's car and the fire engines, uh, we had uh, individuals volunteering that would take that information. They would radio up ahead how many children were in the car and what uh, grade levels they were in. And other volunteers would go ahead and pull those backpacks. And so the parents were then instructed just to open up their trunk and we placed the backpacks in the car. And so, you know, we actually gave away more backpacks this year than we have in the past. And everybody had a wonderful time. And the kids, you know, we were so happy to see their, um, you know, teachers and their faculty again. And I just thought that was just so inventive uh, as a way to do that and, and calling it a backwards parade where instead of, you know, standing there watching the vehicles go by, I mean, you know, they were in their vehicle and the parade was sort of stationary all around them. Uh, yeah. So I think that's pretty classic. The other thing that we talked about uh, that you shared was that you have continued to work on. And again, you know, we have to keep looking at sort of the long-term uh, plans and options for our communities. But you talked about the fact that you've continued sort of thinking about your, what you called your district connector plan. And, and I shared with you, you know, that, that I've been impressed uh, from when I first, and I don't know how long ago that was, but was first uh, in Spencer to take pictures of the courthouse and then in subsequent years when I've been there to update photos and stuff about how much progress I've seen in the downtown. So talk about what you're trying to do with your district connector plan and where you are in that process. Uh, so it's very important in this year where everyone's trying to maintain. I'm so proud of Bowen County because not only, have, not only have we maintained, but I think it's really important to have those small victories along the way. And we're being able to do that by continuing to have this district connector plan move forward. So we're having growth, we're having progress within a very hard year. And the way we started that was starting last year, we started thinking about how our downtown needed a public restroom facility. So we went ahead and partnered with Patronicity and the IHCDA, and they were able to help us have matching grants. And Owen County was able to raise $25,000 in 20 days so that we could get that matching grant. And I'm happy to say that on September 18th, we're gonna be breaking ground on our public restroom facility. And all of the contractors are local contractors. 
But this is really just a springboard to that district connector plan, which is a, it's a three-layer plan. And that district connector plan is going to take Spencer and divide it up into seven different districts. The districts are there so that people can identify businesses in those districts better, as well as the historic areas that we want to identify. But we, won't, we don't want to divide the town up. We want to connect it. So on top of that district wayfinding plan is the MyPath Health and Wellness Trail plan. And so there will be connectors throughout all of these districts that connect the districts together. They'll all be color coordinated with those districts. And there will be signage that tells people how far they can go from this point to this point, how many miles they put in, and exercising stations along the way. And then the third layer to that plan is we've pulled in the park plan that we have. And we've identified different lots within our town that we can go ahead and utilize for many parks. So we have different destinations. The whole point is to create a more walkable quality of place for Spencer. So Don, sort of last thoughts here. How, how do you expect that your job, your task in doing economic development, how is that going to change on the backside of this? I mean, so for example, we've heard site selectors thinking about doing much more sort of virtual site visits. You know, you've got two medical device companies that are there uh, doing big things. So, so what do you see sort of your next steps as we emerge from this stuff? You know, what are going to be your challenges and opportunities? Well, Owen County is faced with the same challenges uh, that actually the entire Midwest is, and that is providing a workforce for the jobs that are created. That is going to be the main focus of economic development now is attainable housing. I don't want to call it affordable housing, but not only attainable housing, but some of those 300 jobs that Boston will create are going to be executive positions. And not only do we want to have those jobs in Owen County, we want those people to reside in Owen County. We are in a very, very positive situation here. We're only 20 minutes from Bloomington and Indiana University, which is one of the major cultural centers uh, in the Midwest. But we have that rural lifestyle that many people look for, along with the growth of the town of Spencer and the increase in the quality of place. We want to promote this as a a welcoming community. We want uh, individuals to feel comfortable bringing their families here. And uh, we just are very excited about what the future holds for Owen County. Well, you're close to Bloomington and you've got the state park nearby. I mean, so you, you have probably lots of amenities there that, that, you know, a lot of other places don't have. There's at least a sense that as people have come on the backside of the pandemic, that they're looking for more places where they can sort of permanently socially distance themselves and be, be away. And people are finding that now that we know how to virtually meet and work virtually, uh, that people are thinking about maybe different places to live where we can live someplace closer to the lifestyle that we want and then just telecommute in. So I think that's actually become much more of a reality and, and hopefully puts places like Owen County sort of more squarely on people's uh, radar screen as some place to go. It's go interesting that you mentioned the virtuality aspect. We are in the midst of a, a broadband push and expansion here in Owen County. Uh, We are hoping to become certified as a broadband-ready community within the next month. Endeavor, uh, SCI, REMC, and Smithville Telephone are vastly uh, working on expanding their fiber network, 
And uh, I think the pandemic has just stressed how important internet access is, not only for towns and cities, but for rural America. And uh, that is one of the major aspects that we will be looking at in the future. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm glad I gave you an opportunity to give yourself a little plug. (laughs) Uh, so uh, thanks for your time today. What uh, did I not give you an opportunity to talk about that you wanted to share today? I'm just really proud of Owen County and the resiliency that our county has shown. And I know everyone thinks that their county is unique uh, to themselves, but it really coming from Owen County and being a person who has grown up here all of my life to see how everyone has worked together. I think, and you know, it's obvious to people what's going on sometimes in our country is there's this dissension and this uh, struggling to connect. But in this year, you can see that Owen County has done just that. When I was younger, my parents always said, well, Marcy, what do you get when you squeeze a lemon? Well, you get lemon juice. When pressed upon, what's on the inside comes out. And when Owen County was pressed upon this year, you can see that a, a spirit of collaboration is what Owen County has shown. So I just am really proud of Owen County. Well, and I, and I wanted an opportunity to highlight some of the things that you've talked about because, again, you know, I've been connecting with members all over the state, and I just think that you all have done some very, very unique things and responded, uh, I think, in, in some very innovative and creative ways, and I wanted a chance to be able to share that. Anything else before we close? No, I just want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about Owen County and it just expressed what Owen County is and has to offer. And uh, we'd love for everyone to come check out what we I think I think we're all looking forward to an opportunity to come and check out a lot of things. But I certainly know you guys have some great assets there. And so I'm glad we had a chance to talk about them. Don and Marcy, thank you very much for your time today. For this podcast, I've been talking to Marcy King and Don Bingham. Uh, with the Owen County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Corporation. Thank you both for your time and thanks for your engagement. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association and all rights are reserved.